This is Live from Los Angeles, welcome to the Dr. Aaron Show. We're all about manifestation, transformation, and breakthroughs. It's time to claim your birthright of prosperity, vitality, and love. So grab your tea or coffee because together we're awakening the world. May you live your truth. Live from Los Angeles, we come together each day to know the truth, live on spiritual principle, and align with universal law. We also come together in community, in New Thought Global, and society. We truly believe that when somebody awakens, they have a gift and message to bring to the world. And together, we're awakening the world. So let's do this thing, spiritual awakening. Okay, I have to say this is probably the third time I started this podcast. I don't know. I think anytime I have too much significance, as we know, in life that it's we have a lot of like we put a lot of value on this right so for me I realized making this podcast that one I feel this deserves such a big conversation in fact I realize that one day it'll probably be a little bit of a biography for me down the line because my spiritual awakening is probably the most valuable thing I've experienced in this life and so I realized when I began to kind of put my, together some notes for this podcast, I was like, wow, how am I even give this justice and where do I even begin? And at the same time, I've had some resistance around telling my spiritual awakening because I, I think that there's some parts of spiritual communities and things and my own self in the process where I went through a phase where I felt like I was better than in my spiritual awakening. And I realized that this is kind of one of the pitfalls of the spiritual awakening. And I never want to come across like that. And I also want to allow everyone else to have their own spiritual awakening. And I recognize there's as many different spiritual awakenings as there are as there are spiritual beings. And we're all one, but we all are the fractal of the one and we all have our own unique experience. So I just want to honor wherever you are in your spiritual journey and whatever experience that is for you versus somebody else. And I'm just here to kind of get real and raw and vulnerable about my spiritual journey. So here we go, you guys. Okay, let's just take a deep breath in through the nose and exhaling out. So my true spiritual awakening was a powerful decision. And the powerful decision began when I was in the mortician's house the day after I had my full-term stillborn son at 22 years old. And as so many of of you have probably heard my story, but I was 22 years old and I was in the mortician's um, home, if you will, the next day after giving birth to his body. And I was there all alone. The mortician had given me this room with um, to just grieve. His body had been in a formaldehyde for 24 hours. And I tell the story all about this and going into um, that room and, and going over to his body and crying and crying and crying. And then like a flash of light, I realized that my son was gone, but his body was still here. And I realized he wasn't his body. And I realized in that moment that he's a spiritual being. And in that moment, I also realized that I'm a spiritual being. And I decided it was a very, very powerful decision to really hand my life over to discovering who the hell I am, what the hell I'm doing here, what's our nature, what really matters in this life. Is there, you know, life after death? Is there God? Is there not God? 
why the freak are we here and all those things. And I powerfully decided. And when I walked out of the mortician's house that day, I had no idea. I had no idea how I was ever going to figure out all those questions. But I knew that that was my obsession, that none of this stuff really mattered to me. And I didn't know how or where or what or why. I just knew that I had to figure it out. So as I went back into my life in a marriage that I barely even knew my husband, I was 22 years old. And I think for both of us, it was just we thought we should get married, you know, Um, he was much older than me, and also very much still unawake. And we, I came back to this life where it was so empty, and I didn't know anything. And I was living in Utah at the time I was from Santa Barbara. And I, I didn't know where to go. There was this was a long time ago, you guys, this was, um, this was what, 25 years ago. And there was not like yoga studios, it wasn't like Venice, California, right? There was nothing there was there was Mormon churches, right, which was way too dogmatic for me. And just not did not call at all. And I had nowhere to go. I didn't know where to turn. All I did know is that there was these things called books. So I began to read books. And in the books, there wasn't so much about spiritual awakening books, they were more like empowerment, they were some alternative books, actually, there was seven principles of spiritual awakening by Deepak Chopra, which was a huge book for me, because it said meditate for 20 minutes in the morning, and meditate for 20 minutes in the evening. So I took that one thing, and I did start to meditate, but that was a little bit, um, I think, like about a year down the line, after I'd read a bunch of books. But I began to really get on the path and call it the path. And, and I began to just dive into as many books as I could begin to dive into the conversation. We really didn't even have the internet that much back then. You know, I don't I didn't even have a phone. I mean, I think very few people had cell phones back then, really dating myself right now. Um, but began to um, have enough money to be able to go to seminars, I did go to landmark Uh, seminar. And that was interesting, because it did start to kind of have me shift and take a look at what was working and what wasn't working in my life and the possibilities in life. And I always say that one of the, the biggest parts of awakening for me was beginning to decide that I wanted to wake up, but I didn't know what that looked like. But what it did look like was indicated what I didn't want in my life, what wasn't working in my life, what felt so asleep, if you will. And so I always recognize that whenever there's something we don't want in life, this is a blessing because it's indicating to us what we do want. There's something to be known of what we do want, even if we don't know it yet. And it's always the same in the opposite signs of the coin, right? So that's one of the first spiritual awakenings for me as I began to, I began to see what I didn't want, what I didn't want to be, who I didn't want to be. I began to see the patterns of life and observe my own vicious cycle and began to observe other people's vicious, human vicious cycle. So what happened from there was I began to um, get more and more into meditation on my own. And I began to read books around spiritual awakening. And it was a long process. You know, this was, this was back in the day when there wasn't in your face spiritual awakening. And there wasn't all the 
all the, and there's there so many books, but there's so many more books now. There's so many groups, there's so many coaching. So I was really lost. You know, here I was in my 20s, and I knew that I, w- I didn't even think I even called it a spiritual awakening. It wasn't even like a big hashtag or something, right? Like I just wanted to be out of the pain and suffering is more what it was about. So then what happened is I began to witness my own programming, witnessing what was what was who who am I versus what the culture has told me what you know what mattered to me versus what I had seen you know keeping up with the Jones if you will and I began to desire to come home it almost was like I began to be more and more unhappy it felt like I was on this planet but I didn't belong here like I was some alien here like how did I get here and why am I here and and I feel like I'm lost and someone abandoned me here you know I felt so not in my own skin. I felt so not of this planet. I just didn't belong. So then what happened was I began to have my awakening. And I would go into meditation for so long. I lived up in Park City, Utah. I was raising my son because I had a son. I got pregnant a month of the day later with my son who now is 24 years old. And I decided to stay in Utah, even though I got a divorce. My son was two when I got a divorce. And I knew that I wanted my son and his and his father to have a good relationship. So I sacrificed and stayed in Utah so they could have, you know, that time together, joint custody. And so I would just have so much time and I would, um, I would meditate and, and do, you know, everything from, you know, visioning and affirmations and crystals and, you know, just, you know, waiting for the signs and, and, you know, just all this stuff. And as I began to meditate more and more, the veil of life began to come off more and more. And so what happened, as I said, in, in the beginning of my book, in my introduction, I talk about a night, I'll never forget, it was 4am in the morning, And I'd been going into meditation and getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was just this incredible, blissful place. And that one night, my eyes popped open at four o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to go back in. It was like this excitement. And because if you're, you know, if you meditate at all, you know that for me anyway, it is like really late at night or really early in the morning when everyone's kind of asleep. There's a clear consciousness. And especially if you're close to nature, which I was at that point in time in Park City, Utah, really easy to tap in and get downloads, if you will. I didn't know the word downloads at that point in time. But anyway, so I went in to I had as this spiritual, um, kind of my spiritual place, I did meditation in one of my walk in closets. And I went in there, I lit the candle, I got a meditation position, and it, it had to only have been a few minutes in a meditation. All of a sudden, I literally like popped out of my body I literally like had this oneness this enlightenment moment where I could feel like I was one with the entire universe and I heard a voice I heard a voice I heard the voice and the voice is is yes you hear it in a voice but it's also it's this knowingness for me the voice was annoying annoyingness and my whole life changed from that moment on where I began to go, what in the hell are we capable of? What really is going on here? And that's, I'm trying to remember how many years it was into my meditation and into my awakening. It was quite a few years into it. And, but I realized in that moment that I was just beginning to touch upon 
the iceberg of awakening. And at that point in time is when I really, really, really began to become truly obsessed with the work. Because I knew there was something to be known, there was something to be experienced beyond my wildest dreams. And and from that point on, it began actually it was very hard. That next chapter of my awakening was very difficult because I began to quote, quote, channel, if you will. And this voice would come in and I would begin to um, to get to get downloads, if you will. And if you don't know what that is, I'm sure many of you guys do know what that is. But basically, it's what happens is as you expand your consciousness through meditation, um, some people do it through medicines or drugs. I did not. I would do it. It took me many years because I did it naturally. And as you expand your consciousness enough and you release the limited beliefs and you release you know, the programming, all of a sudden, the, the truths of the universe stream in, the truths of your higher self stream in. And for some people, this can be through, you know, channeling of, of a, you know, deity, or channeling of the universe of Oracle, if you will, being an Oracle. Sometimes this can, you know, be whatever it is. For me, it was a voice that came through and it felt like this was the voice of God. And I didn't know because I thought I didn't know anything. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't have any spiritual friends. So I thought I was going crazy. I was like, is this normal? Am I the only person this has ever happened to? Am I, what is, what the hell is happening? And I began to kind of seek out and I was wondering what, and so I began to read like Edgar Casey and a bunch of people and Abraham Hicks and I was like what is really going on and I, I kind of relate it to kind of the cocoon effect where if you're a butterfly or if you're rather um, a caterpillar first and you're going through life and it's all good and whatever and then obviously something must start happening in the caterpillar where it's like okay I'm full this really isn't enjoyable anymore just roaming around on these branches and eating these leaves and getting full and now I'm feeling you know intuitively like I just want to like you know, go into a cocoon. And that's kind of what it felt like for me. I didn't feel comfortable out in the world anymore. I didn't relate to um, the social kind of construct. I rarely was interested in conversations because unless they were really, really deep, I was not interested in them. And I began to go into what I consider the cocoon effect. And it was like, I felt like, so something was wrong with me, like something was different with me, like, I just didn't relate at all. And I began to go weeks and weeks, I would go into meditation. I mean, you know, five hours a day, I would meditate probably. Um, and, and when I wasn't meditating, I was reading a spiritual book or doing whatever. And so my entire life began to be the consciousness work. And I'd have these moments in meditation, where I'd have such incredible enlightenment moments. And then they began to happen outside of meditation, I'd be walking along, you know, going for a run or whatever, and putting music on Enya or something, something very spiritual. And I'd have these out of body experiences, I literally feel like I'd, I would be floating through life. And it was so joyful. And it was so blissful. And I call it the integration process. So what happened when I began to first awaken is I felt so divided and different. And I didn't enjoy the world at all and people and whatever. I just began to feel like I, I, I would want to just kind of like, I said my spiritual practice is like one life and real life is another part of life, right? And when they integrate, 
just like you and I began to integrate with my higher self. So when I would go into channeling or when I go into deep meditation, there was an aspect of myself that felt like it wasn't really even me. It was almost godly. It was all knowing. It was this profound voice that would come through. And I even channeled with friends because they would ask me, you know, what I was up to. And some of my, I did begin to have spiritual friends and they'd begin to get me in trance and ask me things. And this profound voice would come out and this, these beautiful teachings and all this stuff. And then I realized through the integration process that that was actually who I was. That was my higher self. That was my true self. And when, so for me, through my spiritual awakening, there was a process that was almost like I had to feel like there was something separate coming through. And then my old self, like the Phoenix rising, I kind of had to die off that lower version of myself, that unknowing part of myself. And for a lot of people around me, it was hard, you know, for my old friends and for even my mom and for like, they're like, what the hell's going on? Like, why are you getting so weird? And why are you going through all these changes? And they started not liking it, quite frankly, they thought something's kind of a little bit off. And I know that probably a lot of you guys are experiencing that because people, their identity shifts when your identity shifts because they don't know how to relate to you and they don't know if it's healthy or not healthy or they don't know how to help you. They don't know how to even have the conversations with you and they can feel your judgment when you're judging them because they're not doing their spiritual work, right? There's that spiritual superiority, that feeling like, oh, you know, I'm doing the work and they're not and I'm better than them because I'm beginning to become awoken, you know, right? So there's that whole feeling that they feel your judgment, trust me, they do. And they feel when you're having conversations and evaluating everything and and beating the dead horse, right? They're like, oh, God, here she goes again with these conversations, right? So there was a it was a challenging time. Because and I also wasn't seen as someone who was spiritual, right? I was just this young kind of unwoke, you know, not totally educated woman. And there was an identity shift. And when you go through an identity shift, it's it's challenging for other people around you, not just you. But so as I began to integrate and began to become this new person, the people around me began to slowly kind of see me as that person and take it took me some time it took me time to begin the whole process so as I began to go on it was fascinating because I would you know take more and more courses I began very much obsessed I realized that this was the most important thing to me so I began to of course I'd done landmark years back I began to channel um, I began, I, I even studied shamanism. I actually hired a, a shaman and worked with her for quite some time. And um, she was amazing. She had been, um, she had been trained in, in the four winds principles, which was we did not do any medicine, it was straight shamanism, really tapping in. I even studied some Scientology, not in the church, because I was very interested in what the hell they were up to. And what I realized is a lot of their work was not anything original. It was taken from many different modalities. Um, and I got certified in Kundalini Yoga. I began, I became a spiritual practitioner, which was a four-year program. I became a New Thought Minister, which was another couple years. And then I became a Doctor of Divinity. So, I mean, it was literally about 22 years of study I did. And um, the doctorate program was an 11 year program, which I did in double time at the end, because I just knew, I knew this was my entire thing. 
I went to sweat lodges. I did different ceremonies. I did crystals and sage and da da da. da. I did it all natural. Um, and it took a long time, you know, but I am an advocate of the pure way. And I think that there's medicines. And if that calls for somebody, I say, you have to listen to your own calling. I don't look down upon it at all. I just feel that my body just it just is more sustainable. And um, I, re I refer to Ram Das a lot, who was one of the most famous, you know, spiritual awakening journeys of someone who came from a Stanford University and then ended up taking a lot of LSD and doing a bunch of drugs to awaken and then realized that that was not his route and went over to India and did it the pure way and was able to sustain it. And I just feel that I feel that the pure way is always the best way, but for each person their own. And I, you know, I've heard great stories of people that have taken medicines as well. Okay, so no judgment for me. So the bottom line is, I feel that, again, going back to the four principles that I teach in my book, Awakening, and the four kind of principles that we teach in society and new thought always is coming back to the four things which are waking up, which means powerfully deciding to wake up. Um, and then number two is reprogram. Number three is align. And number four is affirm. So when you are going through a spiritual awakening, for me, the first process was waking up was really beginning to become aware, like I was looking around and I was seeing how life and the dynamics and how everything was this kind of programming or vicious cycle, or just kind of seemed so twisted in, in what people were up to. So the first step always is becoming conscious, like be beginning to become aware, beginning to see how you're creating things. But it was frustrating as well. That process was hard because I was like, I see how I'm creating this crap. I see how I'm in a relationship where I don't even know this person, where I'm not in love. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not, you know, something isn't right. I started realizing, looking around and seeing how our culture seems so freaking out of whack, like our value system was bizarre. I started seeing how I wanted to be something, but I didn't know how to get there. You know, I knew I wanted to, um, like, eat better, or, or I wanted to become a better person, or I wanted to not make anyone wrong, or I not didn't want to be attached to things. And but I didn't know how, you know, I still had, I had deep, deep programming. And I hadn't come to some deep truths yet. And so waking up is probably I think the hardest part of all of it waking up is hard, because usually, there's something that happened for me, of course, it was multiple decisions of wanting to wake up. One, of course, was having my stillborn son at 22. Um, definitely through dysfunctional relationships, um, having to reaffirm, deciding to wake up over and over again, um, reaffirming and deciding to wake up through the process of realizing that money wasn't enough to be fulfilled in, in career that I needed to be doing what I truly wanted to be doing, which was this spiritual work. So waking up was uh, the first step was the hardest by far by long shot. And because a lot of the waking up is realizing again, where you're not awake and what's not working and and it really is a relative process. So you have to really know that if you are struggling, that is that is the beauty of awakening that, that that's that is the breakdown for the breakthrough. That is the birthing pains. Okay, so that first step is is tough, man. It's tough. That's a tough one. But you got to know that you got to go through that. There's no way of not going through that, right? I did speak with um, and interviewed um, Rita Elite. Uh, she was the Buddhist princess from Bali. 
and I interviewed her about her spiritual awakening. And it was the same thing. She was almost suicidal. She didn't want to live anymore and began to seek spiritual work. And her spiritual awakening was very fast. It came like a bolt of lightning. Um, but this is very common among the spiritual teachers, right? So you have like Eckhart Tolle, who also in the very first book, his book, uh, The Power of Now, he speaks about how he didn't want to live, like he was literally suicidal. And he in that moment realized he was having a conversation with himself about not wanting to live. And that's where he realized this observer and the the gap and really feeling in the space of realizing that we're not these things, we're not these bodies, we're not any of this, right? So that waking up is generally through a, a relative experience of not wanting to live. So if you don't want to live, and you've had those moments, um, then congratulations, because that means you're probably ready to have your awakening. Okay. Step number two is reprogram. And I think that this is this is a fun part of it. Okay, so reprogram for me is when I started reading all the books, you know, going deeper into it, taking all the courses, becoming obsessed with expanding consciousness. Luckily, I came upon past life regressions and, and um, Greek oracle processes of how to reprogram the subconscious mind, and all the stuff that I integrated now into the work that I do with um, society and the E4 trauma method and the truth triangle and all that. Okay, so step number two reprogramming is the most fun part, in my opinion, it was where I began to really expand my consciousness and diving into all the different modalities and going and you know, as as in the matrix, you know, you take the blue pill or the red pill, right, you go down that rabbit hole, reprogramming is the most amazing, incredible part of spiritual awakening can be hard also, because you're still you're, you're, you're kind of going through that place of also of integrating and kind of having to die off, you know, and so it can be painful as well. But there's also that spark of the incredible bliss, and the incredible potential of of seeing through the veil that can be so profound. So step number four in the process is aligning. And that's I think for me, is, is the most beautiful practice. It's where you begin to birth your truth, like, what is my truth? What do I want in my relationships? What do I want for my career? How do I align with universal law? How do I do this? And for me, this process was was painful as well, because it took going through some, you know, bad relationships, and realizing that no, yeah, I don't like dysfunction. And no, I don't like jerks. And no, I do like peace. And yes, I really love having incredible, extraordinary human beings around me, right? This is where the lining is birthing your truth and living that truth. You know, it's like, you have to birth what's real for you. A lot of times, this is hard for people, because sometimes they'll take entire career shifts, you know, or maybe they'll get a divorce, or maybe they'll move to a new city, or maybe they'll do whatever, but they start to align align to their truth, find their tribe, find what works for them. And maybe they find balance, maybe they went way, way out like I did on my spiritual stuff, I started wearing white, I started, you know, renouncing everything, I started speaking kind of um, only spiritual stuff. And then I had to kind of come way back into like, where's my truth in all this? What's authentic? And where, where's a fun game to play in all this, right? So aligning is a is an incredible journey, it can be tough as well, because you got to again, learn through a relative perspective, what you kind of don't align to, to be able to align. So it's a process, right? And then finally, the f- affirm and the firm is, for me, the most 
incredible experience. And that's really where I stepped into becoming a spiritual practitioner. And that means where I lived my truth, where I lived in alignment with universal law, where I lived on spiritual principle. And this is uh, a lifelong journey of affirming every day in every way. And the most amazing thing is when you affirm your truth, when you affirm everything every day, your life just gets better and better and better. And you end up getting more and more prosperity, more and more abundance, more and more extraordinary human beings in your life. And this is an infinite thing. And this is such a profound every day, the daily spiritual practice of living truth, living in alignment with the ultimate truth and your relative truth, living alignment of understanding and aligning with harmony, understanding how to collaborate, understanding to always grow, understanding to always, you know, tap in for all answers. So these are the four steps of awakening. And I just want to say that there's so much more to this, um, which I'm I'll speak on for a minute. So in the process of the journey of awakening, one thing that I really don't talk about are all the deities that came. And one of the one of the things I rarely talk about because I don't want to be too woo woo for people, but so many deities came to me, deity Tara, and um, you know all the archangels, and you you name it. Um, but Jesus came to me, and when Jesus came, I was it was kind of funny because I was like, well, I never really even believed in you, you know. And Jesus came, and and Jesus is um, an angel of mine, and. Um, and he guided me, you know, and, and I had so many masters, and there's so many masters, I couldn't even tell you who they are, because they would come in meditation, deep in meditation, for hours a day, every consciousness came in. And for me, this is the most sacred memories of my entire life, are the moments I've had deep in meditation, with going through consciousness and being able to track into consciousness anywhere on the planet, anywhere on the planet, anywhere in time, anywhere in space, and being able to call in and be able to, to talk to my ancestors, being able to talk to my grandmother that passed away, being able to speak to my to my stillborn, being able to speak to Jesus, being able to speak to the angels and the deities, and being able to go into realms of human beings alive right now that are in suffering and pain, being able to go into any race, being able to go to my own mom that's alive and be able to speak to her at a soul level. This was and is the most beautiful and profound thing about my spiritual awakening. And I was asked the other day, I was being interviewed and, and uh, she said, you know, your book and all your stuff, it's, it's made this big in, impact in my life. And every day I have a morning spiritual ritual now. And I really want to know what's your morning spiritual ritual. And I was like, honestly, I, if I'm going to meditate, I usually meditate late at night now, but I don't have that same thing. I don't have to meditate as long as I used to in that I can take a few breaths and I can tap in. And yes, I do need deep meditation. It's not like you ever stop needing that. But it's different in that my whole life is my prayer. My whole life, I feel like I'm in meditation. And one of the profound, the most profound thing, one of the most, not the most, but one of the most profound thing is I'll never forget when my mind chatter went away. So we talk a lot, as you know, about mind chatter in spiritual awakening, that there's what's called the monkey mind, if you will, and you've got all these thoughts, and it's like there's a voice inside, and you're going, what voice? That voice, right? So 
the voice was there all the time, chiming in about everything. And I remember doing a lot of processes on past life regressions and stuff like that. And I remember one day, there was a silence in my consciousness. And I went, whoa, what is going on? And it was as if I was unplugged from the matrix, you know, it was like I got unplugged. And I have no mind chatter. And it was such a it's been such a freeing thing. And yes, I guess maybe a little bit comes in here and there. But generally, I have no mind chatter. And so when I was doing kundalini yoga, you know, we do mantras and breath work and all this stuff. And part of the reason why you do mantras is because in some of the teachings, they believe that you can never get rid of your mind chatter, that you're always going to have that and you're always but you have to direct the mind chatter all the points in time. That's why you have a mantra. That's why you breathe. That's why all this stuff. And for me, that wasn't my experience. Once I hit that kind of threshold, I didn't have mind chatter after that. So that was really incredible, incredible, profound um, experience in that. And then also just the sacred moments of of being outside of the body. It's almost like I feel like I'm behind. I'm behind the eyes observing this entire world like it's a movie. And so even if things are hard, even if I'm having a hard day or whatever, like I don't, I don't identify with it as who I am. It's almost like watching a movie and watching a play and be like, Oh my gosh, she's having a hard day right now. This is fascinating, you know. And then just I just feel this actual lightness. And a lot of the clients I'll work with, they'll go, I actually feel, you know, we'll do trauma work or whatever on them. And they are like, I just feel lighter. And I'm like, yeah, it's actually I think that's why we actually call it enlightenment. Like you literally, I feel like I don't feel like I'm in my body. And it's been it's amazing. And for me, there was a point in time where I remember I had to make a decision because when I was going through my deep, deep awakening and it was like I almost didn't want to be here on this earth, I like to just go do like spiritual bypass and just go into meditation and just be out in the ethers. But when I come back, I'd slam back down into life. And the one thing that really helped make that transition the most is doing my inner trauma work and what I now teach, which is the E4 trauma method. Because when you are going through a spiritual awakening, and it's like, why can you be so blissed out when you're doing your spiritual work, but then slam back in and get triggered in relationship and stuff. And it's because you haven't actually dealt with your DNA, you haven't actually dealt with the um, epigenetics then printing upon every cell of your body. So when you can do that, the, the work here is to yes, tap into that part, see through the veil, but then your job is really to evolve your DNA. Your job is to lift the veil within your cells so that you can actually be in your body and be fully here with two feet on the ground in the physical realm and also have your head up in the ethereal, right? So that's ideal is to constantly have two feet on the ground and complete your DNA and complete the energetic within your body and within your family and within your lineage and within the culture here and always be tapped in. You know, so you've got one one side of you in the complete infinite and one side of you completely in the finite. So the work is just to keep seeking, keep seeking. I promise that if you keep seeking, you will find the truth. You will discover all paths lead to one place and it's within. It's to the truth of who you are. It's to our oneness. It's when is to the one spirit, the one soul, the one life, the one love. And so I simply know wherever you are on your spiritual track is perfect. Even if you're still in 
you know, the awakening process, it's really hard and suffering and, and wanting to not live. I recognize, obviously, if you really don't want to live and you're actually having suicidal thoughts, please reach out to a suicide line, okay? There's people that can help you. But I recognize the perfection of wherever you're at. And I recognize no matter if you are beginning the fun process of a reprogramming or if you're aligning and discovering your truth or if you're affirming and living your truth and having a spiritual practice, that it's perfect exactly where you are. And I, one of the things that's so funny about spiritual awakening is that I actually kind of miss, I miss being the effect of life at some level. You know, there's, there's that fun drama that one day I promise you, you're going to look back on and be like, oh my gosh, that was so cool to like be in this dysfunctional relationship and all this stuff because it's, it's the experience, you know, you're here as God, as divine, as all that, having a relative experience. And it's such a short short-lived thing you know enjoy it while it lasts enjoy the suffering while it lasts because you know divine doesn't suffer it's impossible but you can have that experience of suffering and enjoy it. it's a beautiful thing because I promise you it's teaching you it's teaching you profound teachings right now so I know that I'm going to probably end this podcast and I can feel it now. I'm going to go, oh my gosh, I should have said this. I should have said that. I should have said whatever. And so I just know I'm sure I'll be doing more podcasts on spiritual awakening and my journey and how it relates to to you. I also want to say that when I was a little girl, my mom said she thought it was, um, she thought I was possessed because she said I would tell her I had all these people around me and um, she said that I... I told her, I said, Mom, my name, my my real name's not Aaron, it's Tara. And I would say, I would like you to call me Tutu Tara. This is my real name. And I didn't remember this, of course, when I was little. It wasn't until I went into my spiritual work and I began to track back through lifetimes and track through being born into this lifetime and, and being a little girl in this lifetime. And Deity Tara actually has been with me my whole life. And the story of Deity Tara is that she was, um, you know, she was raised in, in a, an, like an ashram, not an ashram, I forget, it's basically with a bunch of monks. And she grew up around a bunch of men. And they were wise men, wise monks. And they would teach with her and, and she became very wise. And the monks said, Tara, we, we know that in your next life, you're going to come back as a man and be a profound teacher. And we honor that. And she said, no, I'm going to be a woman. And I'm going to keep coming back as a woman until all of earth and all of human beings recognize that women are, we're equal, we're one. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, everyone can become enlightened. Everyone can become a teacher. And I'm going to keep coming back as a woman until it's known in all consciousness. And so Deity Tara has been with me my entire life, things like that. So the truth is, that, you know, you can come out of the spiritual closet. I would say I came out of my spirit. I can't not speak about my immortality. I can't not speak about these things. And you can take it for whatever it is. You can have your own experience and you can enjoy someone else's experience and just take it for whatever it is, okay? So I know that the signs may be that just enjoying life and maybe you just don't give a fuck anymore, right? Like maybe it's that you're able to just live life and see it as the profound game that it is, but also recognize and realize that you have, you have responsibility that whatever it is that you truly desire on this planet, you've got to create, right? So understanding that you're totally responsible and that you're also none of it. 
And this is the profound paradox of the spiritual awakening, that the same moment that you have total suffering and not wanting to live is the moment that you have the most profound, beautiful moment of awakening, right? That the moment that you realize that, you know, you're none of this, you also realize you get to have all of this. That there's this beautiful journey called spiritual awakening, and it's yours. It's the most sacred thing that we have. It is the most sacred journey. This is the journey. This is life. And no one talks about it. And it's important to, you know, talk about it. Because, and you don't have to go so way off the deep end, but there may be somebody else that is questioning life or deciding that they, you know, no longer want to live. Maybe by you sharing your story and getting vulnerable, they'll start to see something in themselves and a new possibility. So I simply know this, this is one of the longest podcasts I've done because this deserves like, I'm sure this will be a book one day, a biography of my own spiritual awakening. And um, it deserves so much because this is the most important thing. So have a wonderful day, you guys. And what I'd recommend for somebody if you're just beginning is I would recommend reading books, of course, my book, um, Spiritual uh, Awakening. And I recommend meditating for sure, finding um finding a way, whether it be through guided meditations, which comes with the book, there's 40 guided meditations with the book. Um, There's also I do recommend learning how to do silent meditation without any mantras and anything just to get really uncomfortable with the chatter. Uh, I recommend for sure doing your uh, trauma work, your past life work as well, doing the E4 trauma method uh, in Soul Society and New Thought Global. I highly recommend finding community around it. And I also recommend following your bliss, taking every course on the sun, whatever it works for you, and just discovering and following the breadcrumbs. And I simply know that as, as much as you get committed to it is as much as it's going to give back to you. As much as you give to your spiritual awakening, it's going to give back to you, just like all of life. And there are so many profound truths, everything from universal law to understanding how your subconscious gets reprogrammed, understanding profound trauma work, understanding all your divinity, awakening to the greatness of the oneness of who you are. And so just keep going. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out and DM me and come into our, you know, community as well. We would love that. Have a beautiful day, you guys. And may you have the most profound spiritual awakening because I think it is a lifelong journey for sure. May you live the truth. Have a beautiful one. Thank you for tuning in to Soul Society and Dr. Aaron Podcast. If you've had a calling to be a spiritual leader or coach, you can go to soulsociety.com and check out our free training. If you've received value here, I would love it if you take a moment and give a five-star review. In exchange, I have a ton of free gifts for you. Grab your free awakening book, 40 guided meditations, and digital manifesting masterclass. I also have a free money meditation and worksheet for you so you can begin to break through your scarcity mindset and claim your birthright of prosperity. You can get all of your gifts and learn about our upcoming transformational events in my bio link in both Instagram and Facebook. That's under drerin.tv, which is D-R-E-R-I-N.tv. Also, I'd love to invite you into our free private community on Facebook under groups called Soul Society. That is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Soul Society. That's S-O-U-L-C-I-E-T-E. Have a divine day and may you live your truth.